0: So the topic of the share today is on, on the morality of avdos. Okay, and the question I want to thank Arye Badner, who asked me his question months ago, gave me the idea to do a Sunday share about this. And apparently, it's from conversations he had with some of his friends. So, so, um, so basically, another way that to, to title the share is: How does the Divine Torah have avdos? which seems to modern sensibilities to be an immoral institution. Okay. So I think this um, there's a type of question. Okay, I think these are important questions, especially in modern day society. There are a lot of people, maybe more of the, uh, to the left, who basically have um, critiques on Torah based upon uh, more modern sensibilities. And based on Western values, there are certain parts of Torah which seem to be offensive. And people struggle with these and question the Torah, attack the Torah, and say the Torah is somehow outdated. And there are are a number of, a few, a handful of uh, institutions in the Torah which kind of raise these types of questions for people. And um, they don't always deal with them in the most appropriate way. And uh, it's it's. I thought it would be it's it's valuable to take up each of these in turn, and I think that's something which of Pesach did uh, maybe last year about the women, women and edos and certain questions with regarding women, and that's one of the hot button topics in modern society. I don't know if slavery is a big uh, topic, and but it's one of those things I think people kind of think about Torah, and you read the Psukim about mishpatim, somehow I think some people cringe. When you read it, because that's kind of, you know, we think of this as one of the great, you know, successes of modern society is that we've put slavery to bad or to some extent. So, you know, when you see it in the Torah, it creates uh, potential questions. And again, uh, given the premise that the Torah is divine, it's from Hashem, obviously, it has to be immoral and uh, correct and a sensible system. And it's not a legitimate approach to say, "Oh, the Torah was made a long time ago, and it was based on mistaken information or anything like that." Because uh, I mean, this is not this is the open psukim in the Torah. I talk about Avdus. so it's part of our Torah. You can't run away from it. So uh, I think, on the contrary, we can't run. We don't have to run away from it, but we have to understand it. Okay. So I think that um, although the uh, the topic I'm going to talk about is Avdus, I think the Perhaps the type of approach I'd like to take is, in theory, applicable to any of these types of questions which we could have uh, on Torah, and that is, I think, a threefold approach. Okay, threefold approach to to the question. The first is to look at the facts of the Torah. Okay, let's look carefully at the facts of the Torah and see if they are what what we think they are. So for example, in the, the Torah has Avdas, and we're all familiar with, with slavery, from what we know of the black slavery in America, and one might just assume that, oh, the Torah endorses slavery. Right? And you think, slavery, slavery, it's the same word, so it's got to be the same thing. So I think it's it's important to, in any of these types of topics, to look carefully at the fact <coughs> of the matter. What is slavery, and what is Avdas, and what is Black slavery, what is slavery of Roman slavery and Greek slavery and slavery going back to uh, Hammurabi's Code or whatever. I mean, this is, slavery is an old institution. And it's important to look at the facts and see if really what we mean by slavery in the modern ter- term and when we condemn it, you know, the, which is the brutal institution of beating up poor, helpless slaves, is that the same thing as what Torah means by altis. So I think it's important to look at the halakhos Look at the mitzvah, look at the different sagyos uh, and rambams, uh, whatever it is, whatever Torah source is, to figure out what the facts on the ground are. And we'll do that to some extent, which I think we'll see that it's not the same thing. Okay? The, the Torah's idea of avdus is not the same thing as uh, what we all uh, brought up to look down upon. That's uh, one thing, and that's I think with any area, any question on the Torah, you have to look at the Torah, you have to see the facts. What is the what is the Torah's institution? Okay. Secondly, and this is uh, this is I think an approach where Pesach took a little bit with the uh, with the women's issues, which is to we have to look at the time and place and society in which the Torah was given, and. The Torah was a system which was given to be a a system which would last for all all generations, both at the time the Torah was given and thousands of years uh, since. And it's an eternal system. And as such, it was designed to accommodate, to guide people throughout all the millennia of uh, the proper way to live. And, uh, like again, our face-off instance was... There's a, the Torah was setting about uh, Eidos, so there was a reality about the place of women in society for, for thousands of years, and it's not, a, the Torah wasn't given exclusively for our society today, in the past few hundred years, it was given for thousands of years, and one has to be sensitive to the world in which the Torah was given, and realize that the Torah was being designed to last for all, for all, these, for all these years. And again, therefore, it's not necessarily, we can't just say everything which is in the Torah would necess- if the Torah was given today, it may not necessarily have the same form as if it had back when it was given. As the Ramam says, many mitzvahs of the Torah were designed to eradicate a bodzara, certain practices of Ozar which were prevalent at the time, which are no longer prevalent. So if the Torah, now the Torah made mitzvahs out of them, which were Last the Doros and teach us lessons going forward, but there's nothing to say that those mitzvahs would take on the same form if the Torah is given today. But the Torah wasn't given today. The Torah was given once for the sake of all eternal, for all eternity. And it's unchanging throughout the generation. So that's something that has to be taken into account when taking up any of these particular issues, slavery in particular, is we have to look into what was the reality of the facts on the ground and what was the Torah dealing with and how did the Torah accomplish its objective in line with what was current at the time and to last liberos. And thirdly thirdly I think this is most importantly but I'm going to take it last nonetheless is it's important to understand that the value system of the Torah is not identical with the value system of the American Western philosophy. At the Torah we have to understand the institutions of the Torah in line with what Torah values, and maybe the Torah values aren't identical with American values. Maybe America values pleasure in a different way than individual pleasure in a different way than Torah does, for example. And they're various. About it, right? Again, we are not. The Torah society is not identical with American society, and Torah values are not identical with American values. So when we study any institution in the Torah, we have to. I'd look for the insight in how this institution plays into the Torah values. And the fact that it may not be in line with our Western values isn't, there's no assumption the Western values are correct and are the best thing for man. So we have to consider what, how Avdos or any of these institutions fit into the greater picture of the view of Torah, how they contribute towards a Torah society, towards a Torah lifestyle, where do they fit into the Hashkafah of Yahados. And again, I think just because Western society looks down on something doesn't mean that Western society is correct, and doesn't mean we have to hide from Torah and, and assume that they're right, and we have to somehow apologize or whatever. I think Avdus uh, we're going to try to, through the eyes of the Torah, develop the concept of what the Torah was trying to do with Avdus, and we'll see maybe it's not popular or maybe it's not won't fit well with the modern view of. Uh, you know of uh, what what America views as ultimate values, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. On the contrary, we could see the wisdom in it and see uh, appreciate the, what the Torah is trying to accomplish. Okay. Yes. For
1: point number two, so that means they'll say that the Torah were given in the twelve hundreds. mitzvahs would still be applicable to us. Right. They would still have deep ideas going forward that also would to today, but the mitzvahs would take a different
0: way. Presumably. Because, you
1: know, yeah. Any kind of would have
0: Right. Right, I think so. Right, if the current prevalent forms of Hodzara at the time were not, you know, cooking a mother a calf in his mother's milk, then maybe I don't know, maybe it would have taken a different form. Now, again, the ideas which are embedded in the mitzvot were based upon the times, but they were conveyed ideas which teach us lessons. And Basav Chalav is a kedusha, and it's still valuable for us to learn about kedusha and to learn about the distance from Ozara. And the ideas are eternal. But the facts of the particulars might be dependent upon what was going on in the time. Or right. well, the Rama by Carbonos, perhaps, is something to consider. Yeah. And that was, again, that sort of pace I was trying to develop by Edas. Uh, by that type of approach. So if you don't remember, or if you weren't at that cheer, sure, I'd recommend you listen to it. It was, it was an excellent uh, approach, and I'm kind of leaning on that in that point. Okay. So... Again, so I think the main point of these three points, I think the, the most primary, most interesting is what is the final one. What is the idea of the Torah? What is the idea of the Torah and Avdas? And how does it fit into the worldview of the Torah? But at the same time, I don't think it's a good place to start our analysis because I think we have to figure out the facts before we do anything. We have to look at the facts. ...of what Avdus is. And I was was very torn about how to start here, how to start this year. But I was going to start off by talking about the the last point, what's the main idea of of, of Avdus. But I just think that we have such familiarity with slavery and black slavery and American slavery... ...that I I just have to first go through the facts and show that it's not, that just so we don't... ...whenever we hear the word slavery, I don't want us to keep thinking of uh, black slaves being beaten... I want to realize some of the facts that show that the facts of the Torah are different from what we're accustomed to <coughs> before we're ready to get down to what the idea of Avda is. And also, to really understand what Avdis is in the Torah, we have to know the facts. Right? So how are we going to figure out what Avda is all about if we don't, we don't even know the basic facts of what Avdus is? So that, that being the case, again, I think I want to start off with just the facts, which is, I think, the more, most uh, least interesting but at the same time, it's obviously there's a the foundation, just like in any sugya, you got to go through the facts before you can go into svaras. So uh, maybe it's a little more dry. But at the same time, to skip that, you're going to miss the facts. So uh, you know, what's the grounded. Okay, fine. So so let's start off with um, with the basic idea of slavery. Okay, so. Again, to do this, this is uh, Rav recommended. I thought it was a good idea. Is uh, I bought a book, the best book I could find from a quick uh, Amazon uh, search, a book on slavery, just on the history of slavery. And so I found this book by this guy Milton Meltzer. Seemed like he, is, uh, he wrote many history books. Uh, it's called The World History, Slavery: A World History. Really, I just wanted to kind of get my feet wet into what the history of slavery, just to get some just the facts of the ground, the facts of the matter, what slavery was about in the time of the Torah, the time the Torah was given. People trace this to... Uh, and other people, I looked around on the internet. The other articles which are written on the, on the internet I found from some... from from Gush wrote some articles. But they, the comparisons to Hammurabi's code, which was around the time prior to the Torah, by a few hundred years. So again, I just wanted to kind of get some context about what slavery was like and where it came from. Okay. So just to give us some basic facts from what I gleaned about what slavery was like back you know, in the early uh, times. Okay? So first of all, slaves did not have any rights, okay? in general. Slaves were totally no rights. They could be beaten, killed, without any limitations, whatever the master wanted to do. For the most part, they could do whatever they want. There's a quote from this book I had: The owner of a slave is free to whip him, jail him, or kill him, with or without reason. This is from the Romans he could send his slaves to death against beasts or against men in the arena or put them out to die of starvation. So the whole Colosseum, all that, was they just took their slaves and had them fight and, and animals with people, like crazy total abuse to, uh, to people uh, in, in the most uh, cruel uh, ways. Slaves also throughout, uh, throughout antiquity were like work, non work, 24-7 working or you know as much as they were awake in their minds and, the mines and the, like total nonstop continual work. that was like part of the idea of how slaves uh, were. And also um, I saw this uh, in Hammurabi's code, for example. It says that if a slave was were often punished, one of the ways that slaves were punished was they'd cut off their ear. okay so if a slave was uh, hit his master or said to his master, "I'm not a slave," they'd cut off his ear. That was like the standard uh, punishment, okay. And um, I saw there's other ones, and some of them they used to blind the slaves. They'd cut off their hands, they'd cut off their fingers. There are references like in like um, Shimshon, they they blinded him, and Tzipkiyo they blinded him, and Donny Buzik would cut off people's uh, thumbs. There are claims that, and and also they castrated. The eunuchs was a thing. They'd cut off people's tongues and cut off ears. All of, this was like a common type of a practice as a method of punishing servants, controlling slaves, right, beating them off, totally putting them in their place. So, and I think, again, I didn't do so much research in the modern day, uh, you know, in the American black slavery. I didn't get to that all the way to that part of the book. But that I think we're more familiar with, is that there's uh, the slaves were totally mistreated, no rights, totally beaten. That was like a uh, very commonplace to uh, totally... Abuse the slaves as much as possible to be able to get as much productivity uh, out of them as you possibly could. Okay, so now let's turn to the Torah. So, so first of all, first of all, it's important to know that in Torah there are two types of uh, servants. Okay, is Eved Ivri and Eved Kanani. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go sl- slightly. I think the real questions which emerge are really from Eved Kanani. Eved Ivri is not. Not totally different than uh, than what we call you know modern slavery or anything else, but at the same time, it's just uh, good to get the differences between the two and to get the, the basic facts of what they are. Okay, so a is a Jewish slave. Okay, who begins starts as a Jew, so just a normal person in Jewish society who becomes a slave in one of two ways. Okay, either he steals and he can't pay it back; he has no way to pay it back. So we don't just put him in jail and cause the person he stole from to lose his money. But on the contrary, or declare bankruptcy or whatever, but he's sold into slavery as a means of, to the, to the person he stole from, as a means of paying back the, the, the owner the, rest, the restitution to his uh, victim uh, which he stole from. That's one way. And this way you allow him to make it back. Uh, you know. And then also, if a guy is totally, totally broke, Totally, he doesn't even have clothing. Then he could sell himself. Then he's allowed to sell himself to slavery, okay, as a means of being able to get back on his feet. So again, he doesn't just uh, starve or whatever, but he has the right to sell himself into into slavery, okay. But again, these are uh, Jewish people, okay. These are Jewish people, which the Torah allows them to do this, and as such, he's a regular Jew. His term is only for six years, or yovel, whichever comes first. And he could always, at any point, he has the ability to buy himself back, to buy his freedom. So If he gets money through his family, or his wife works, his wife is allowed to work, she's not enslaved, and she could work, and she could, um, she could buy him out, or his relatives could buy him out. So at any point, he could basically get out of it. So it's totally like an institution to help a person who is either totally down on his luck, has no money, or is deservant of, uh, he can't pay back for his uh, theft. Okay. Now, you have to treat him in a very humane way. Okay, very. In fact, as I'll say, if a person buys an Eved, it's like they're buying an Adon, a master for themselves. In a certain sense, you become a slave to to your slave. Okay, so what do we mean by that? So first of all, the selling itself has to be done in private. You can't do like on the slave block or anything like that. He's only allowed to do a fixed amount of work. You can't just have him do busy work. You have to have a specific task you want him to do. You just want him to just work, work, work. They call it this parak. You're not allowed to do that. It has to be a specific task that you want him to do. You also can't have him do slave labor. You can't have him put on your shoes. Things which are lowly, demeaning type of things. It's only like respectable type of work. Um, it says the Pusik says you treat him like your brother. Whatever that means, exactly. Um, the master has to feed his wife and kids. Okay, during the time of the slavery, he had to feed his wife and kids. And, but she works, and her wages go to her husband. Um, also, this is, I'm not going to take this up, but one thing, in a certain sense, he's like a worker. The thing is, his master could give him a shifcha, a maidservant to have kids with. And those kids are property of the uh, owner. That, 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 that overlaps with Evid Kanani a little bit. Okay, fine. Then um, Evid, the after his years are up, as you all know, is he has the ability, if you want, he says, I love this master. This is unbelievable. This is great. Which is reasonable because you'll see it's a very humane institution. He could say, I want to be, I want to stay forever with my, with my master. And then you poke him in the ear, right? And uh, pierce his ear. And then uh, he, uh, he could love, he's a servant now forever. Which means until you Okay, and we'll get to the poke him in the ear in a little bit. So um, whenever you send the ever free, you have to send them free with gifts. Hanukka, you have to give him a lot of gifts, to basically, so he gets back, not just as an evad. And the, the, the punchline is, is, oh, and then only that. They say that you have to, you um, have to give your evad the same clothes and the same dwelling as you have. Okay? You have to treat him the same way, the same food. You have to feed him first, I believe. You have to, so basically it's totally, and that's what I think it's saying, is you have to really take care of him. You can't just give him the lowly, you know, condition, living conditions, and that's what that's when Chazal say it's like your Kona and, and, and Adam. In a sense, your servant, your Ivri, is really like a member of the household who you treat in a very respectable way as a method of rachman for this guy who's an abbach, He can't get back either, either through his theft or through his just being on, down on his, uh, his luck. You're basically giving him a method of coming back and rising up for a short term to rise back up to society. So. The point is, is that this is nothing to do with what we think about as slaves. You don't beat him, you don't, you know, it's just, it's like a sense, like a contract, a six-year contract, a work contract, which enables him to be able to come back, uh, to come back to his, uh, to society in, in, a, in, a, in a respectable way. <laughs> so that's evident everything. Okay, so let uh, so I, I think that's not at all a question even. It's nothing like a slave, what we consider slavery. But then, there's an Evan Kanani. Okay? So Evan Kanani is someone who's not Jewish, for starters. He's not Jewish, he's, and you buy him, like you buy a slave. You buy him from someone else, from another guy, from another Jew, from a Gertoshav. The king has sometimes sells them, or the king could have laws in a given government that this person becomes a slave, and you could buy him from, you know, the slave market. Okay? So that, in a sense, and when you buy him, you own him forever. And you pass him down to your kid. <coughs> so in that sense, that's really more akin to what you might think of as a slave. Okay? Again, the Evid you don't own, in a sense. It's more just a six-year contract. The slave, the Evid Kanani, who starts out as a guy, is more similar to what we might call a slave. Okay, and I think that's really the question which I want to take up. In what's the what's the idea of this Evid Kanani? But he's the, the one which is more similar to our, our notion of uh, slavery. Okay, so.
1: Yeah? So is the Evid Kanani's status
0: change if he converts? Yes, so we're going to take that up. He does convert. Okay, so the standard Evid Kanani has to accept the mitzvahs. Okay, so give him a year basically to uh, get rid of Odu Zara, to approve of Odu Zara. And he accepts a mitzvot. He becomes a Jew. Like a, a Jew. He's chayiv in all mitzvot like a woman. Except Mrs. Seishos Man Grama. So he basically becomes a Jew. And if he does go free, he's a full Jew. Okay. So, um, he, yeah, he, he does. The process of becoming an evad itself is a process of conversion. And you involve him in the system of mitzvot with you. And as such, he's chayiv to keep mitzvot. You have to let him keep mitzvot. He's chayiv uh, he's mitzvot. Shabbos is off. Like for us, Shabbos is off. It's not like an Avodah. Again, Avodah in those days, slavery was working all the time. He had Shabbos off, just like we have Shabbos off, right? Rish Mila, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Rish Mila Mekfa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's basically, he's in a sense, he's keeping mitzvahs like a like a woman did. Okay.
1: Not well I think it's
0: like he has a year to accept if he doesn't accept uh, fully acceptor after a year then you get rid of him then you sell him to a guy you know then um, unless there's an exception you can make it tonight or whatever yeah okay and the point is, you can't force him in instantaneously to do all the services. I think he has the time to you know learn about it and you know yeah it's
1: just anyone not sure it's not actually tonight, right? not right
0: no correct we'll get to that but yeah it's, it's interesting that it's called Evan Kanani because the Canaanim themselves really aren't the one. They're killed. When we went into Canaan and wiped them out, call <laughs> the So there's someone in the Sefer uh, asks that. It's funny that it's called out. We'll take that up. That's, I think, an important point. Okay, but no, it's not only Canaanim. It's not even Canaanim. Yeah. Okay. It's a funny name. Yeah. Okay. So now what else? So certain details. So for Shabbos also, again, one thing is is that if you, again, I was saying it was prevalent in ancient times to... Beat slaves to cut off their ears, their eyes, their teeth, their castrate them, and so on and so forth. So if you cut, if you if you um, cut, knock out his tooth or his eye or his the limbs, his ex- extremities, then he goes free. Okay. So you can't abuse him. I mean, you could, hit, you could hit him. You have a right to hit him, but if you hit him too hard in a way, or you maim him in any of these ways, there's twenty four racheivarem extremities. Which if you uh, Dismember him, then he ends up uh, he goes free. Okay, so that's totally different. Then, in, in that regard, it's a limit. It forces you to base sure you could hit him, but you poke out his tooth, his tooth or his eye, then he's free. That's it. Okay, so there's a limit. Also, if you kill him by hitting <clears throat> him, under most conditions here, in general, you chayiv misa. It's a slight difference between how a regular person and a slave, but basically, you chayiv misa for killing him. Okay, so again. You beat him. You can't beat him too hard. You beat him too hard, you kill him. The, you, you, you're you're high of misa, so death penalty. So this is not the way things were in ancient society, not at all. Okay. Also, he he can't be owned by a guy. Okay, it's only by a Jew. The institution of a kanani is only to uh, to a Jew. A guy doesn't own another guy. He could make him work, but it's not not the, our institution of abdus to say that you own him, which you do own him, but that's only a Jew could own a a canani. Not, a, not another guy. Okay, if you sell him to a guy, then, then uh, there's a kanas, you have to buy him back for up to ten times his value and then free him. Okay, so you totally have to make sure he has to stay under the Jewish control. Okay, the whole institution is he has to stay under the Jewish uh, um, power. Okay, similarly if you sell him to Chutz Okay, if you sell him, if you're in Eretz Yisrael and you sell him to Chutz then also you have to redeem him for t- up to ten times his value and you have to free him. Okay, and not only that, he could if he wants to go to Eretz Okay, let's say he wants to go to Eretz so he could force the master to bring him to Eretz or to sell him to Eretz Yisrael. Okay, he forced him to do that. And the opposite, the master if master's in Eretz wants to go to Chutz so he can't force him. Okay, That's, so he has again, there are rights. My point is, there are rights for this aspect. Okay, if he escapes to Eretz Okay, if he somehow runs away and escapes, then you have the master has to free him, pay him his value. But basically, that's it. that's his way out. He wants to go to Israel Israel and he managed to escape. He's free. Okay, and the Jewish people are have to get stuck at to avodim. Okay, just like the monks, we have to get stuck at to poor people. If there's a poor abed, we have to get stuck at to him also. Okay, and lastly, I want to read you the Rambam who talks about. Again, we do have a right to head the to okay? We do have a right to head to abar. And I'll show you how the Ramam says it's, it's frowned upon. Okay? So the Ram says like this. It's um, slightly long, but it says like this. You're allowed to make him work in like menial labor. This is in um, the last halach in Avadam. So it's Tas um, Chas in Avadam, which is in Kenyan. Even though the din is you're allowed to force him to work. Okay, so you don't push too hard and you don't pain him. You give him food and drink from all the different types of food and drink. The used to give them all the different foods that they would eat. Right, a full array of uh, all their courses. They'd feed their animals and their servants before themselves. Okay, so you don't uh, dis- embarrass him, you don't disgrace, degrade him with uh, words, by hit, right, or in uh, or by hitting him or with your hand. The Torah gave them to be an eva. Not to be embarrassed or to be degraded. They're not to be degraded. The Yarba loved of You shouldn't be yelling at them and angry at them. You should speak to them pleasantly, hear their complaints. Iov was uh, praised himself. Did I, did I abuse them? Did I not take care of their... Uh, of their claims, we are all made in the same womb. We're all people, so he is specifically careful to make sure that he treats them uh, like a human being. Okay, basically he talks about Klal Yisrael is rachamim, and therefore we treat them with uh, in a merciful type of way. So again, the Rambam's saying is that. Even though technically speaking, you are allowed to make him work in, a, in a, an intense way, and you're allowed to hit him, but at the same time, it's frowned upon. It's not really the Derech of Chachma. It's not the Midas It's not proper. Okay, but it is interesting. You do still have a right to, right? You do have a right to. Okay, so so uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I'm not sure should I should do that. Now? Yeah, let, let's let's uh, let's leave that alone for now. Okay, so that's a question. Why do you have a so why hit him? Right? Why do you have a right to hit him? I just say, it's answer. so what I'm saying is that it's not right and we should be merciful to everybody. So then why hit him? Right? So why say if you hit him and you knock out his eye, then he goes free. If you kill him, you have me so just say you know how to hit him. Right? So anyone have what's a plain answer to that anyone have a plain answer to that question? Why could you have?
1: You stop there
0: at the start. <laughs> okay good you may run away there at the okay it's valuable to have some means of like discipline yeah it's not of balance yeah okay yeah I mean you need to somehow discipline him okay yeah like your kids, like your kids. it's true okay good it's true I mean we hit uh, I mean we but I mean the Torah <laughs> Torah has initially for instance talks about hitting uh, Hitting kids right hitting kids why? Because he needs some means of disciplining them. After all, they have to listen to you. You're watching after their own best interests. And you have to sometimes, if a kid says no, and you say yes, <laughs> my kid, <laughs> <laughs> but, um But 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 in a sense, they, think they answer, which we have to develop a little bit more. But you have a right to work them. You do have a Kenyan. You do own them. Which we have to talk about. What's the sense of it? But you do, there, it is obvious. And what are you going to do if a slave just says, sorry, I'm not working. I'm not in the mood to work today. Right? So what are you going to do? If you could just say, oh, I guess today is not today. You're going to work. Well, then there's no institution about this. So you have to have some method of forcing him to work. Now, a Chacham will not do it that way. A Chacham will have a good relationship with his Abed and Ramam saying in a way where he understands, as an understanding, that this is what you are. You're an Abed. This is your job. And you have to do the work. And that's the intelligent way to do it. But at the same time, if you didn't have the capacity for an Evid who's totally saying no, you didn't have the ability to hit him, then you're never going to have him work. And then you can undermine the institution of abdus. So again, we haven't explained why there is an institution of abdus, but given that there is, even if you want to make it moral and ethical and all that, at the same time, it's not going to exist if an Evid could just say, I'm not going to work, and you have no method of recourse to make sure that he does. So... Hitting him is a uh, tool which you have at your disposal if necessary. Yeah. You could also
1: make the claim perhaps that just the fact that you have the ability to has the effect on the slave too. Yes, yes. If that's you what you know the Rama means. If yes. you weren't able to then that event could just sit there and sit down can't do anything. Yes, right, exactly. Just, so. like just like we have a... The fact that you can yes. impacts the slave's exactly.
0: work. Yes, right. Just like, for instance, Besan gives malchus or Besan kills the death penalty. We don't have to use it very often but the fact that we could use it sometimes... Will make a person know that you can't just breach the system. So, yeah, that's what, they know what I mean. So Is there a chachma, that you don't use it? You don't need to use it. But the avid should know that you have the capacity to use it. Yeah. I uh, said so
1: you get
0: an avid to work there? <coughs> He's a Jew. <laughs> 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 He's slave to work. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Uh, it could be you don't have those problems. You know knows. I don't know. Best Maybe you go to Best and they'll force him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. How do you get an avid every to work? Yes.
1: How did the Abikinani get into a situation where he was owned and you were able to buy him? Good
0: question. I don't know. It seems like, it's not clear. It seems like the, the Rama has you buy it from someone else. So however he got him. It doesn't seem like we have an idea of going around and fishing, uh, kidnapping them from uh, islands and stealing them or anything like that. But I mean, the Rambam is you could buy him from a, uh, another Jew, another guy, mm-hmm. another uh, yartoshev, you know, or the king's decree. Someone, let's say, king has a law. If you break the king's law, then you're sold into slavery, and then we could buy him from the king. But so we don't kidnap slaves in that in that sense. But how I don't know. Uh, if, I don't know how many questions we ask to figure out you know how he became a slave. Right? <laughs> uh, what
1: about in warfare? In war.
0: Oh, in war. Yeah, it's a good question. I guess so. and this, this is Mahem tiknu. You buy them. I don't know. The Ram didn't bring down from war, but presumably by them... I don't know. Good question. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think you're going say me. that. Okay, fine. Yeah, so there's the the, the, uh, the Svorno says. The Svorno explaining the idea of uh, by killing him. He says, As a Pasuk in Mishle, it says, With words, an Ebed, an abed doesn't take Musar. He, he may understand, but he's not going to respond and uh, basically he says in Rashi and in David say basically an avid's type of a person who if you just oftentimes, if you just talk to him he's not going to be able to respond and uh, an avid's a type of a person who certain people could understand the, the, the heading but they can't understand talking to them like a kid for example sometimes a kid you could try to talk to a kid but you can't like a I don't think a three-year-old to run into the street. You're going to have to grab them and pull them away. You can't just give them a whole speech about why it's not safe to be in the street. So in Eved, uh, oftentimes, again, it doesn't need to be this way, but it could be this way. In Evid's a person who's a low-level person, and just to give him a sheer about why it's important to work, it may not work out. And that's why the, 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 the Rashbam is saying, the Sforna, I think, the one Rashbam also says something like this, that you have a right to hit him when he's not going to listen to your words. And you have the capacity to do that, but At the same time, you have to do within reason, and if you do it too much and you knock out his limb, then he's going to go free. So the Torah allows you to do it because sometimes it's necessary. And an eved and 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 the the Rashi makes the comparison. It's not only by an eved; it's talking about any person who doesn't violate, who doesn't keep the Torah, for example. So it says a Bezdin has the right to hit a person who's not keeping uh, the Torah mitzvot. That's like Bezdin and Michael Smardus, or Bezdin also has the right to do that. And Rashi interprets that It Says an eved doesn't isn't doesn't listen to words. But you have to hit him, it's saying, it's not to only reference about them. it's anyone who doesn't keep the Torah society, any of the laws of a of Abbasin. So, the Torah is not against force to a person who, who isn't responding to a more peaceful method. So, an Eved has, again, a master has that ability to do it, but at the same time, there are checks to make sure he doesn't do it too much, that if he hits him or he maims him, aims him or, or kills him, then he's going to end up uh, losing his Eved or even Chayv Mesa. Okay? Yeah, and again, there's a uh, the Pesukim and Mishlei which talk about it. Kid uh, also, don't withhold Musar from uh, your son, from your child, from a nar. If you hit him with a stick, he's not going to die. You should hit him with a stick, but mishal tatzil, you'll save him from the grave. So there's an idea: the Torah is not against force to a person who is not at a at a place where they're able to understand the reasoning. And again. An Eved could be at a place where so they can understand reasoning, but sometimes they're not. And the Torah allows it within reason with the checks which it has. Okay. Okay, good. Good? Okay. Okay, so, so that's, again, that's the first thing, so what I hope I've done is shown that the, when we, we talk about an Eved, an evid Kanani, again, evid every is altogether different. When we talk about Eved Kanani, it's not what we think of when we, when we see on movies or whatever of blacks being beaten and slavery and cruelty of the Romans and the Colossians, anything like that. It's totally much more humane, much more um, balanced and within the line with keeping with the rights of uh, the abbot has rights. Even the whole idea of rights, the abbot can make claims on the master, is something which he's treated with a (coughs) great degree of respect. But he still is an abbot. Okay. And uh, the second second part about the uh, time and society in which the Torah was given. Okay, so first of all so this is what I discovered from this book is that uh, how did slavery even emerge how did it emerge in the world so it seems like it used to be when they had wars so uh, when you won a war so you'd kill all the captives okay? you didn't have the capacity this is back in the days when it was hard to produce food so um, you, what are you going to do with your with, when you win a war what are you going to do with the enemies you can't just let them go free they're going to come back and kill you so basically it was common practice is to kill them, but there's no other option. If you want to make sure you don't lose your enemy, you're going to have to kill them. But then once agriculture was more developed, and they had the capacity to produce enough food through agriculture, then they realized the more intelligent plan is to enslave them. Instead of having to kill them, they had the capacity to take these people as slaves and help them make them work in the fields, and... and uh, you could end up, they could be worth their while. So instead of having to kill them, you end up enslaving them. Okay? And that became a, a staple of economy, of economies in general. And slavery became, uh, it's amazing how prevalent, when reading this book, is how prevalent slavery was and throughout. Is. What? Uh? Is today. Is today. Well, not yeah. as prevalent as it was in the day. That's but. not true. There were 1 out of 200 people who were slaves, really? 40 million people in the world. Really? One out of every 200? Well, the way I there's, it. A uh, there's a lot more than that. I have the numbers here. In Greece, it was like... They say it was like one out of every three people or so. One second, it was... <laughs> in, uh, the Roman Empire was around 50-50. What? Percentage was not numbers. Oh. Oh, okay, fine. The Roman Empire was around... They don't know exactly, but it was around 50-50. Slaves and free people. And uh, Greeks, I think it was like three to one. One to three, They don't really know. But it was major. It was like, it was very common. And slaves back then did everything. All the jobs. It wasn't they just worked on the fields. They did every, uh, almost every job. There was like, doctors were uh, slaves. And it was just, they, they, did, they had them do all the jobs. It was prevalent throughout the world. And it seems like there was no society. It's from this book. It didn't seem that there was any society who was, didn't have slavery or even really condemned it as uh, something which was wrong. It was just assumed this was the way life worked. And this was the way societies worked, and especially in agriculture, this was the way the, the, the need for a lot of labor to make your uh, agriculture work out was part of the way societies were maintained and food was produced for uh, in the world okay there was it existed in different forms in different times, but it was it was very, very prevalent throughout the world until recently, so again, even still okay now, in fact there was um, arguably, you couldn't have run, it's not clear exactly right, but it seems that like you couldn't have really succeeded in agriculture without slaves. In the Middle Ages, they had a law that the Jews weren't allowed to own slaves. Okay? Jews weren't allowed to own slaves and basically it forced them out of agriculture. Okay? The Jews all went, became merchants and other things because it doesn't seem it was feasible, at least certainly based on the competition. I don't know if intrinsically was unfeasible or because of the competition but you couldn't succeed in agriculture without having slaves. Okay, so it was like the, this was the way of the world, and this was the necessity to allow the, you know, right or wrong, this is the facts of the matter, the, when the, you know, when, throughout, throughout time when the Torah was given, and this is, uh, this was, it was, again, it was very, very prevalent. And, again, arguably, you know, this is arguable, I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, tr- I tried to look into this, I couldn't figure out exactly. But arguably it was necessary for economies. This is what they were claiming. This is what they thought at the time. Whether it was truly the case, but it seems they thought for economies to work out, it was necessary to have slaves. Okay, so again, was that really, really true? Could they have made it work out through higher, you know? They say oftentimes, in fact, slaves are better, better treatment than the free workers. Because a master has interest in his slave living. As opposed to, if you just hire some guy from the whatever, you can make him work whatever, and you work overwork him. He needs he needs to work because he has money. And if he dies, he will hire another guy. But you have interest in taking care of your uh, your slave. But whatever. That's the point is is that that the time the Torah was given, and for many 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 years afterwards, until very recently, slavery was the facts of the ground, facts of the world. And what the Torah did, and again, this is a half answer. We get more into the, la- the third part is going to really develop it more but it's on the basic level what the Torah did is it took an institution which existed in the world it was necessary for the economy of the world and it did is it made it better it made it more moral it took it and it in a similar sense like the Raman says by carbonos uh, like say, carbonos existed in uh, dollars but Torah took it and it made it and directed it in a proper mm-hmm. way towards the Vodas Hashem and it outlawed certain things and it took other things and made it better so similarly, Avdas was uh, the fact of the, of the world at that time. The Torah <coughs> took it and set it up in a moral, ethical way. It set up the Halakha of Shein Nanayin, and uh, you can't kill him, and the various halachas which we were just talking about. It, it, it made it on a moral ground, and it built in a system of uh, halachas to, to take this institution which is, existed and was necessary for to compete for HaYisrael to succeed in the, in the world, and to compete in the, in the world economy, but what it did is it took the institution and it, and it made it um, more moral, more in line with uh, an ethical uh, type of system. Okay? And for the Torah to come along and outlaw it altogether, arguably would not have been reasonable. Again, the Torah didn't, for instance, Avodah Zara, the Torah did that with. The Torah is against Avodah Zara, and this is a point that Pesach mentioned also. is the Torah, there's certain things the Torah made no concessions on whatsoever. Like a and even so it wasn't all too successful I mean it was as successful as could be but you see the Jews were always falling back to so to just go against the world and human nature is a big deal and the Torah took all its capital against the Zara and says there's no concession whatsoever for <coughs> but something like this the Torah didn't go against the Torah accepted the institution but at the same time it qualified it, it, it made it more moral, and put it in line on, on a proper, uh, proper moral basis. Okay? Okay. So that, I think, is part of the answer to this question. But at the same time, I think that, I- in that sense, it's looking at avdas, in a certain sense, as like a b'dyavet. Okay? That it's like not really good. It really should, <coughs> shouldn't exist. So nothing is bad, in a sense. But at the same time, look, what do you want to do? It's not reasonable, given the time and place that the Torah was given. It wasn't re- wouldn't have been reasonable to totally outlaw it and to close it down. So the Torah did it in Akashura. Okay, And I think there, that there could be some truth to that. I think that's a satisfactory answer. But I don't think that's really the right way to look at it. I think there's a deeper way to look at it, where there's something, uh, something good about it. Something good about the institutional office, okay, so for that, I think what i 'd like to do is to develop so so we're, that gets to the question it 's called avid kanani right it 's called Evid Kanani. We talked about it. why is it called E Kanani in fact Kananim aren 't really reallyvo so the um, the Achinach says he connects back that E Kanani is based upon the first instance we have of Eed, and the Torah is from Kanan. Okay, from the story of Noach and his sons and um, Ham, Canaan did something bad to Noach and Noach's curse over Canaan right? so the Sefer the, the Chinuch connects back the, the name is a reference back even though it's not limited to Canaan it's a reference back to that story so what I'd like to do is to study that parsha a little bit and because again, that, that uh, uh, Noah wasn't saying you should be an evad because of anything which we previously said, because agricultural societies needed or anything like that. This was his Chlala, his auror to his son, his grandson. It's saying is evad yela Sounds like that was all the chachila, if you will. Given <coughs> what Khan did, this was an appropriate punishment. So, so I'd like to look at that parsha. Develop the idea of Eved, which emerges from that, and claim that that's why it's called Eved Kanani, because the ideas that we could glean from this parsha from Kanan will really provide the basis and the background, the conceptual understanding of the Torah's idea of what Abdus is about, why there's an Eved Kanani. Okay? So, we'll digress from this discussion and try to learn that, that uh, parsha. Okay? So, it's in. Um, Voracious, Tas Yurchas. Okay? Tas Yurchas. Okay. So, this. But you, so, I'm going to try to stick largely with Psha. Psha of the Psukim. Okay? This is a Midrashim. I'm going to try to stick largely with the Psha. Okay? So, Vayu noach, Noachayotzim in Ateva, Shemacham of Yefes. Okay? Cham huavi Aviknan. Okay? So, the three sons Shemacham and Yefes. Ham is the father of Kanan. Okay. Which will be relevant uh, in a little bit. Okay. So, Shloshah b'nei These three are the sons of Noah. Okay, which is repetitive. Just said that. And from these three, the whole world spread out. Okay? The whole world <laughs> descended from these three, right? After all, all of humanity was wiped out except for Noah and his family. And everyone in the world basically came from uh, these three. Yeah. So Noah became Chulin and he uh, planted a vineyard and he got drunk and he became uncovered an And Ham, the father of Canaan saw the erva of his father saw the nakedness of his father and he told his two brothers outside. Okay, That's what he did. That's all the Torah says he did. He saw the erva of his father, and he told his brothers. As you know, Shem and Yefes took a cloak or whatever, and they uh, put it on their shoulder, and they turned around, uh, facing away from him, and they covered his. They covered his erva, right, and they didn't see his erva. They didn't see his nakedness. Okay? That's the end of the story, basically. Okay? That's what happened. Vayiketz noach and woke up, katan, and he knew what his younger son did to him. What did he do to him? Right. What does that mean? He woke up and he knew what his son did to him. What did he do? He saw him, and he told his brothers. Okay? And what did he do? and he said, ever Cursed is Canaan, Canaan the, uh, the son of Cham. He should ever He should be an ever of Avadim, right to his brothers, Shem and Yafas. Blessed is Hashem, the God of Shem. but he cannot and Canaan should be a servant to him. So, Yes Hashem should do um, I don't know, extend or extend to Yafes or. Beautiful, Tefes, whatever. Been. he should dwell in the tent of shame canine, Lama. and Canaan should be a servant. Keeps bringing up so Canaan being a servant. Right? But, and uh, fine. But, and that's basically it. Okay. So that's it. So, so a few questions on this. Okay, a few questions. First of all, what did what did Ham do that was so bad? He got this curse. What did he do? He saw him. He told his brothers, okay, that's it. That's such a terrible thing. So Chazal say, right, Rashi says, different Shattim, one says that he castrated him, Saraso, or Rivo, he sodomized him, which is certainly, that's bad, right? But it's a far stretch from what the psukim say, Right? I and mean, that, that's I think the way if you understand it that way it's, un- it's understandable that, why he got so much. but the Ramban learns that's not b'sham Ramban just says he saw and he told and right? he doesn't interpret he says that's a medrash but that's not he says the fate is that he saw and he didn't treat him with kavod he should have covered him up and he told his brothers then embarrassed him degraded him right and that's it and that's what it says he knew Hashem says Enough knew what his son did it says he knew about the busha it was embarrassing And Rabaseinu hasifu alavche, Rabban says, chazal Hazal chazal eranache. But the Ramadan's not learning plain shot is that any of those other extreme chataim, but rather, it's just he didn't treat him with respect. He looked at him, he told, right? But that is such a terrible thing, such that now eved, eved Avadim ya lachiv, aror, right? It just seems a little bit uh, extreme. And that's why shame gets such a bracha, Right, Hashem shame. Right, shame gets the bracha because what did he do? Because he covered him up. Okay, this is nice, but it doesn't seem to be the biggest sidkus in the world. and now he's and the Chazal differentiate. They say Yafas because it says um, the two of them vei Hashem and Yafas but um, it implies that it really cannot. Uh, shame was the one who really did it. Wait uh, like second here. Oh, it says, Vayikach. Vayikach Shem Yafes So it should have said Vayiklu. So Rashi says that really Shem is the one who is the leader. Yafes followed him. So therefore Shem had a bigger bracha than Yafes You right? Okay, fine. So, so again, so what was so bad about what they did and what was so good about what uh, Shem and Yafes did? And why was this the result of the Onash? Why was the Aror, right? Why is the Aror, the curse which he has? What is the idea of cursing him and why is the curse? That he should be an Eved. It's a strange curse. Right? How does that become the curse? Right? And lastly, lastly, this is a little bit more of a detail, It may seem, but it says, <laughs> right? He should be an Eved to his brothers. And then, in the Baruch Hashem Eloke Hashem, the he Eved Lama. So it's like bringing up again that he should be an Eved, as it says by Ham, that he should be an Eved, or Kanaan, and then it says, "By sham, Baruch Hashem, and he lama." And again, by Yafas, Yaphas can be Yaphas, it keeps repeating, "Kanan being an abba," both by by Canaan, by him and then by his brothers. Yeah.
1: I most, why is it, or Canaan, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: that I don't want to go into, but that's a good question. Okay. Yeah, the Kanan the Ham. There's different interpretations. Was it Ham? Was Kanan the only kid of Ham? Why is it singling out? Okay, good question. And if you're learning the Parsha in its own right, then it's certainly something to look into, but I'm going to avoid that question. Okay? So again, I was going to say it. I was going to say it last. You know? Yeah. Okay. Right, so again, the point is, is that this seemingly was a major event in the history of the world. Right? This is where the world is going from these three. Right? And this determined the course of the future, it would seem. Shame and Yafas and Canaan is the Right? We come from shame. Right? But what was really so monumental about this event? What really happened? Again, it went to the plain shot. It just doesn't seem like all too much occurred. And Noah's making a very big deal about it. Right? Okay. So... okay. So, so I'd like to say, like this: is that and again, hopefully... In doing so, we'll get some idea about Eved. Right? Because again, this is where he's saying you should be an Ever. Right? He's not saying again anything about agriculture or anything like that. He's like labeling him because of this event as being an Ever. This is like his curse. Right? Okay. And why curse your son? Or your grandson? What's the why what's the idea of the curse? Right? Okay, so so I like to say it's like this: is that At this this time, this was a pivotal event in the lives of the sons of Noach. Okay, and I think it's spelled out the the, they were they were basically put in a very unique, interesting position, and it's summarized by one pasuk: Shlosha elvene Noach u'me'ele neftek al It's the second pasuk in the parasha, seemingly repetitive. Right, we can figure that out on our own. But uh, I think it's saying, these three are the sons of Noah, and from these, the whole world came. So, we already know they're the sons of Noah. But I think what it's saying is, that there's the, a the Ramban, and it's basically, it's almost open in the Fasak, is <coughs> that why were they saved? Why were they saved? Right? On the marble, From the marble. So, was it because they were tzaddikim? No. Because you, I see before me, as a tzaddik in this generation. The Ramban points out that it was specifically because he was a tzaddik. Okay? It was not because they deserved it. Okay? It doesn't say they were, as a group tzaddikim, they were saved because of Noah. Noach was the one who deserved to be saved, and the Ramban says it was Rachamim that he extended this salvation, not only to Noach, but also to his children. So he was the tzaddik, the tzaddik, Tamim, right? And they were not. They came along for the ride. They were included in the Hatsalah to Noach. So their existence, shlosha Eile Bnei Noach, that's their identity. They are Bnei Noach, their existence. They have to face this. Why do we exist now? The whole world is decimated. Why are we alive? Because of the tzidkas of Noah. Only. But on the other hand, these three sons were the fathers of civilization. They knew the whole world going forward was going to be built from them. They're the ones who are going to have offspring and build the world. So... So the thing is, that puts them in a unique psychological conflict. On the one hand, they could acknowledge their smallness, their dependency upon the tzitkos of Noah. On the other hand, it's a great opportunity for uh, a if you will, to take credit and say, look at this, the whole world is coming from me, I'm the father of all of civilization. And to, in a certain sense, forget about Noah, and look at themselves as the fathers of all of civilization. That's a unique opportunity for a person's ego to think of themselves as the father of uh, great great nations, of humanity. And that was this position which they were, they had to struggle with. Okay, are they going to look at themselves as B'nai Na'ach? Or are they going to look at themselves as the fathers of all of humanity? And and in a sense, that's, in some sense, that's really every person's struggle on some level. Is, again, in, in a, in not in as extreme in a particular way, but a person struggles with their own sense. So, on the one hand, the person is small and nothing, and we're about what's well, small in one person in Hekaz uh, large, large universe. On the other hand, the person has feelings of greatness and feelings that they have. Uh, the whole world doesn't necessarily come from them, but some people act like it does. And people feel that way. right? And we have to struggle with our internal sense of our place in the world. Are we going to acknowledge our smallness, our dependence on our parents? That's a mitzvah which helps a person do so and acknowledge that they did come from a source. Or are we going to forget our parents and look forward and look at what we could accomplish in the world Then. Let our own position of greatness get to our heads. So in a sense, this was a pa- paradigm of a battle which everybody has in life. But this was in a much more extreme way. They were truly existed because of Noach Tzidkas, And they were truly the fathers of the rest of humanity. And how would they react? Initially, they had no choice. They had to react. Noach, after all, it was clear Noach was the Tzaddik. He was the one Hashem spoke to him. And they couldn't in any with any clear conscience, be able to look at themselves as being great. After all, they know they depend upon Ben But when Noah had a moment of weakness, <laughs> right, right, and he became drunk and he became uncovered in his tent, that was a moment which they had the capacity to look down at Noah and underline the Meila and forget about the fact that Shloshayla v'nei Noach. That was the moment which Ham saw an opportunity to look at Erbas Aviv. Right? How does it go? Say it. aviknan He saw it. He he looked, and he looked down at Noach, and he said, "Oh, look at that instinctual guy who's drunk." brothers, check it out. We are the future of humanity. He's that lowly, he can't deal with it. And he was attempting to bring himself up and to carry on the world based upon his own grandeur, his greatness. And deny the greatness of Noah. But the other brothers, Shem and Yathas, did not fall prey to that. They acknowledged the fact that Noah was the Tzadik Tamim, who had a moment of weakness, because after all, the world which he just saved, is uh, the whole world which he lived in was totally decimated, and he had a, the task of building the entire world, civilization, and yes, at a moment he was Vayachel, but that doesn't mean he wasn't a great man. And he's had a moment of weakness, and they specifically did not want to look at Noah in that moment, because it affects you, it affects your psyche. If you see him in his weakness, you think of him in a lower way. And you're never going to get that picture out of your head. And as such, they, they, they acknowledged that there was a moment of weakness. They covered him over without even looking. Shame was the one who truly did it. Yafes followed along. But what they, they knew that going forward, they had to think of themselves as b'nei na'ach, as accepting their place in the universe. And not of overemphasizing their significance, their own personal significance, and that was again the moment was a decisive moment in what the way Ham and its offspring would look at you know view themselves, and in the way Shem and Yafes and their offspring would view themselves. So it was uh, it was a significant turning point in their lives. Okay. Now, the question is: So how did um, how did Noach respond? Okay? So, it could be what he's saying is like this, is that that for Canaan and again, I'm treating, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the problem, but I'm treating Ham and Canaan as, as one. Okay? I'm saying he's treating, it's, you could say it's, it's Ham, but it's Ham and his offspring. You notice this isn't just Ham as an individual, it's Ham as a trait which he's going to pass on to his offspring. It was his way of living and raising his kids, it was a whole way of life which, which he sensed was not just an isolated problem. So he's basically telling, what's the curse? The curse is that, it's like again, why are you cursing your own son? I'm saying in a certain sense, a curse is like a bracha, but it's a bad bracha. Okay? It's painful, but it's, a, it's, it's advice. It's saying is that, Kanan, you will not be able to succeed in life, as a, as a, to have a good life, to have a life of accept of of reality, of accept, having a proper relationship with God, if you have power, if you're in a position of of uh, and aftakalaras, if you're in a position where you could rationalize your internal sense of greatness, then you're going to fail. You're going to You're going to look down at Noah. You're going to you're going to distort reality. You're going to totally overemphasize your own uh, your own uh, greatness. In order for you to succeed, you have to be an evet. Well, there's an evet as a person who is downtrodden, who is, a, who is a slave, who doesn't have freedom, whose physical, economic situation is one of downtroddenness. That state of mind, that, that, that situation is, will allow you to thrive, to recognize your place in the world, will allow you to realize your Bnei Nawah. Will, will allow you, like originally, you were a subordinate to Noach, before he drank, you were a subordinate to Noach, and you'll be able to continue to be subordinate to Noach, as long as you're an avid. But if you get freedom, if you get a situation of power, then it's going to corrupt you. And the advice is, the advice is, if you want to succeed, this is the path to succeeding. It's error because it's a painful path to success. It's, it's much more pleasant be able to succeed as being free. It's hard to be an avid. While it's physically hard to be an avid, it's philosophically the best thing for you. And that's his guidance to uh, to Ham and his children. Is that if you want to succeed, you have to humble yourself. You have to put yourself in a situation of avdus. You have to be able to not get into a position of freedom and independence and power because that corrupts you. Just like it corrupted Ham, your father. Canaan, this is what's going to... Uh, this is going to corrupt you as well if you don't subordinate yourself. You need to be an Avidir brother. On the other hand, shame, and Yafes in a secondary way. Baruch Hashem al shem. have Avid Lama. On the contrary, shame could have a relationship with the Kedosh Baruch Hu directly. He could have freedom, he could have success, he could have bracha. And the bracha doesn't get to his head. He could he's able to be the father of humanity, but at the same time realize his own smallness in a bigger world, in a Kazh Brahu's world. He's able to acknowledge that he's a B'nai Noach. And despite the fact that Noach is slipping, doesn't mean he's uh, great. He's ultimately dependent upon Noach. And ultimately, a, a person, the, the, we as Chal Yisrael and the descendants of shame have the capacity to have Bracha, but at the same time to still maintain their place in the world and not to get corrupted by their freedom by their success and not only that on the contrary they're even capable of having avodim working for them which is good for them because on the contrary it will allow them to be able to devote more time and energy towards avodim Hashem and have their basic physical needs taken care of so again a person like Canaan avodim will be terrible for him having an avod because it will make him feel like he's a big shot and that's going to destroy him on the contrary he needs to be an avod but for shame, his bracha is that he is baruch Hashem. He could be, get bracha and he can have a vodim. And on the contrary, a vadim could assist him in being able to take care of his needs and at the same time be uh, involved in Elokei Shem and serving the Kedush Baruch. Not just
1: in Ebed, but in Ebed to shame.
0: Yes. Well, ever to shame and then also to Yafas, it seems. right. It seems to build. Yafas seemingly was also like shame, but it says, V'yishkon, V'yatukim Yafas, V'yishkon Ba'hala Shem. Seems like if Yefes stays with shame, then he's able to tag along and partake of the goodness of shame. But on his own, he couldn't do it. And that's why you see in the uh, Vayikach, he wasn't able to take the cover off on his own, but he was able to follow shame. So as long as Yefes is uh, with shame, he could have success, and he could even have avadim. Canaan could, be, Canaan could be under Yefes and shame. But the idea is that through being under Yefes and shame, he's able to first of all, have a life of uh, discipline. He's able to be subordinate to shame and to Yefes, and to their not to be in a position of power, but on the contrary, to be in a position where he's downtrodden economically, and that allows him to not get some inflated view of his ego. And he's also able to learn from shame and from Yefes, the proper way to serve God. So, in a sense, that's, that is a, that is a, a path which his father is guiding him in to be an ever of Adam, to be an ever to be an ever to shame and Tefas. Now, uh, Rabbi right, right, yes.
1: Well, uh, I was just wondering in terms of the point that Cham uh, was the one that took him identify as the hate and then Canaan ya- uh, seems to be the one punished. Just formulaically, sort of sociologically, yeah. it sounds like what Noah is doing is he saying your children should be raised by those two who know to respect their father.
0: Right. Your children, right. Yes. Okay, good. Right. You mean, not just you, but your children should be that way also. Yes. Okay, good. Good. Okay, now, yeah.
1: Next question from David. Okay. Um, it, uh, is the reason Shem can have power is
0: because he realizes is an Ebed to Hashem but power isn't really good. Yes. Yes, excellent. So, so let me get to that point. Yes. Thank you, David. Yeah, so so what about for Shem? Is it good to be an Ebed? Is it good for Shem to be an Ebed? So the answer is no. It's not good. It's bad. And that's why, for instance, could a Jew be an Evid? So the answer is a Jew could be an Ebed, an Ebed every type of an Ebed, but it's not good for him. And what do we say? If he decides after his six-year stint in Avdus that he wants to be an evid for longer, so we, um, we allow him to, because he's saying, listen, I can't, I can't succeed as an independent guy. I need to be under an evid. Under a under, under me'adam. But we say it's not good for him, and you poke him in his ear. right? And what's the idea of him say, the ear which heard at Harsinai, ki livene the halach the kana adon near okay the year which heard at har that you should be an eved Hashem and you became an, took a adon a human adon should be pierced and then it says further it says why is he poked, got poked on the the dallas and the mezuzah they do it on the on the doorpost it says the doorpost which was an aid mitrayim that I passed over the uh, doorposts of Qalla Yisrael, and said, Avadim. Avadai him, Velo So Ka Yisrael is Avadai, not Avadai La Which means that Ka Yisrael has the capacity and the the opportunity to be an Ever Hashem directly. And that's really the most appropriate, for a person to subordinate himself only to a That's the That's the proper level. And, and he could be in a position where he doesn't have a, a human master. He's, able, he's not going to be corrupted because of his power. He's able to, even though he's free, realize he's not really free. He's an Eben Hashem. And the ideal of a, of a, of a Torah Jew is not freedom. Right? In America, maybe it's life, liber- liberty, liberty. But for us, it's not liberty; it's the avdus. But we're avdi Hashem, right? He's able to be an evdei Hashem, and it won't be corrupting to him. On the contrary, it will allow him to subordinate himself to Kol Prophet. But he shouldn't be an Ever Le'avadim. right? That's what it's saying. He leaves Hashem. The law This Ever ivri who needs to do ritzia, he's saying is, I can't be an evdei Hashem directly. My only way to be an Eved Hashem is to be an Eved to an Eved Hashem. (coughs) I need the guidance of my Master who will help me be an Eved Hashem. I'm not able to live as an individual. I'm not able to face the world which HaKadosh Baruch placed before me and to navigate the challenges of the reality of of Hashem's world. But I need to be cushioned by my Master. I love my Master. And my, and my whole family there and I need the security of the not the security of a Baruch Hu, but the security of my master who himself takes security from my Baruch Hu. that's not appropriate for Israel, but it's a possible path sometimes a person could be broken that way and that's the Torah does acknowledge such a thing but it's, it's a chey and the Torah is you know, poking him in his ear by the door to remind him of the fact that there is a pagan. And it, it's not even forever, because you know, well, he'll end up going free, hopefully, with this lesson. <coughs> and he'll carry with him to try to acknowledge his identity as an Eved Hashem. But, for Cham, and I didn't see anyone interpret it this way, but it's just the Lashon of Eved Avadim Yel Achav. Right? Eved Avadim. Just say Eved, what's Eved Avadim? Right? So perhaps it means you should be an Eved to an Eved. Okay? Eved to an Eved means your brothers are Avadim. They're Avde Hashem. You should be an Eved to them. Right? That's appropriate for you because your Avdos is not truly an Adon. Even your Adon is an Eved. But he's an Eved Hashem. You're like a second level Eved Hashem. You're an Eved Avadim. Don't think of him, the Jew, as really your master. Your real master is the Kodesh Baruch Hu, And as such the Eved is Chaiv Mitzvos. Because ultimately the institution of Abdus is an institution which is designed to assist the Eved to give him a life of uh, 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 being an Eved Hashem. It's taking a Kanani, or someone who is like Kanan, not technically a Kanani, because Kanani we don't uh, keep alive, but at the same time someone who has that mindset and we're giving him the opportunity to be an Evid Hashem, via having a Jewish master, through having an Adel, through being an Ever of Adam, being an ever of an Evad, that's the way he could be an Evan Hashem. And you initiate him, he lives in the house of Israel, he keeps Torah mitzvot like Israel, and it gives him the capacity to be able to learn from the Israel. And hopefully Israel treats him in Rahamim and is a model of the proper mitzvah to him and will guide him in a proper path. And that's the way in which he could thrive. So that's, on the contrary, that's the auror, the kiyam, in theory, an eved is a fulfillment of the auror of Canaan, of the bracha or the advice, that there are people who can't truly engage reality appropriately with as free people. And on the contrary, it gets to their head, and it corrupts them like it did to Canaan. And an avid, the model of an eved which the Torah did, there was a, an, an institution of avdus in the world when the Torah did it, and it igni- took hold of that institution but it didn't just take hold of it in a, by making it ethical and <coughs> protecting the rights of an Abed as we were talking about before it did protect the rights of an Abed but it did much more than that it directed an Abed it called him Abed kanan, uh, and it directed him an kanani, and it directed him towards a much higher, higher level and there's a, a good writer Rabbi Zimmer found for me is that there's a medrash which says um, Eliezer Abed Avram. Was Canaan? That's what you're I was just going to say that the apex of uh, in the, paradigmatic, the paradigmatic case would be Eliezer and Avraham. That uh, who, who was the one who caused
1: Ka to continue? Yes. It was Eliezer getting yes. Yitzhak uh, right. together with
0: Rifkin. Yes, good. And who was Eliezer? He was uh, Nimrod's son. So the major says he was Canaan. He was Canaan. So the medrash says. So the says he was Canaan, and he was Aror, and because he became the avod of Avram, he was Baruch. And there's a pasuk which I forget the pasuk, but it says uh, he's Baruch. So um, so basically, uh, whether the medrash is interpreting is that that's a model of Eliezer. What well, greater Barach is there than Eliezer, to be an avod of Avram? He was able to partake of the of the great. Uh, fortune of living and learning from Avram. But what would he have been if otherwise? He would have been a free Canaan. What's better for him? To be a free Canaan or to be an Ebed of Avram? So that the Avdas, that's a model of how Auror is and there's a person, a certain type of a person could be in a state where they're not able to thrive on their own. And on the contrary, their freedom could be a curse to them. and could lead them towards Chet and towards overinflated views of himself and Avdas is an institution uh, uh, capa- gives them the capacity it's an institution which enables them to rise to a greater heights yes
1: say also
0: symbiotically
1: it was good for role, Oh, because,
0: uh, yes, 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 yes. You mean, you mean that, right. the role what the Eved does, okay, good, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get that, but yes, you're saying is that what the Eved does is uh, we were able to have uh, Yitzhak got married off because of the actions of Eliezer. So right. the Eved serves Kali and allows Kali to thrive. Right. Yes, yes, I'm going to get to that in a second, a little bit more, yeah. So a question on the flip side of that. I'm not worried about psychological
1: corruption to shame of owning his brother in that.: in that Yes sense, that okay, good.: he would
0: become too haughty. Okay, good. Good. <coughs> so it seems that it seems that that was the mida of shame that see shames could have become haughty when he saw Noah in that weakened state, but he resisted the temptation, and he didn't look, and he covered shame and he covered Noah. Because shame sees the pitfalls of ego and is able to control himself and put him to keep himself in, in his place. And as such, if he has an avad, he doesn't think, look at me, I own avadim. He thinks, I have avadim which should enable me to serve HaKadosh Baruch in the most appropriate way. And that dynamic is true for everybody that comes from shame and everybody that comes from Kanaf. They need that psychological structure right. to... No, so that's, so that's what I'd say is... ...future generations who enslaved
1: Yeah, yeah, right.
0: Right, so that's a good question. So it doesn't seem like every single, again, it doesn't seem every avid Kanani comes from, comes from Canaan. And not necessarily every, right, every person from shame is, uh, owns owns slaves. Yeah, so I think what it's saying is, like, there is a model which Noah was giving to his kids... And he was teaching them a, a model, which is a model which could be copied by shame and by the offspring of shame. And there's a model, which is a model she's presenting for Canaan, for Canaan's offspring. But, and when the Torah came along, Avdus existed in the world, as we talked about before. Avdus was a phenomenon in the world. And the Torah took, again, it didn't undermine the institution. It couldn't, arguably, it couldn't undermine the institution. It it took the institution, it made it ethical and moral as we talked about before, but it also directed it in a proper path. It it gave Avdas an angle which directs it towards uh, Avdas Hashan. So it it utilized the model which Noah carved out for his offspring in Canaan, and the Torah forged this institution of an Eved Kanani to direct the Avadim who we do have in, the, in line with the ideals which, which Canaan was uh, supposed to model. So it's not necessarily that it passes through father to son, but it's saying this is the institution of Avdas as the Torah created it, in line with that model. But it's not necessarily a genetic thing or whatever. And not every Eved is necessarily... Look how luckily, bottom line is, once you make an institution of Avdas, it could be you could have a person who's an Eved who's a great person, and, like, uh, who's, uh, you know, like, uh, let's say, Tevi is a, a servant of, it, Neil? a great Jewish figure who
1: was
0: Yosef, what's It's true. A person could find themselves in a situation of Avdus, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are that personality. Because that just, once it's an institution, you can end up having people being servants of people being, you know. But the point is that there's a, there's a concept of what Avdus is. And that's when the Torah set up a mitzvah of Abdus and it embraced what existed in the world. It didn't just... Besides for the fact that halachically it made it more ethical and protected the rights of the Aved, it also directed the Aved the in a way which he could gain from the Abdus. And for your average kanani who becomes an Aved, he becomes a Jew, and he lives with a Jew, and he keeps Torah mitzvahs, and it can be a great force of uh, benefit to his life. It's true he's economically enslaved... But philosophically, he's free. In fact, Hazal says, the true cheros comes from a person being involved in Torah and So, our idea, the Torah's idea, and this gets to the idea of like, like when one of the ideals of America is liberty. Right? The basic uh, God given rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Liberty is a major uh, theme in, uh, in America. But we don't have liberty. We have avdas. We're avdi Hashem. So, we're also off on them. Everyone's in we the just Avdi Hashem, and the Eved the Kanani is an Eved Avadin. He's uh, indirectly an Eved. But freedom is not good for a person. Freedom leads people to doing, you know, terrible things. And you know, they have what well, they have nowadays. A lot of people who are free, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily good for them. Yeah. Well, that's that's what
1: I was going to say about the this, the uh, the roles or the personalities by God. Mm-hmm. It's not genealogy. You you're supposed to take them, examine yourself, and say, is it good for me? Yeah. Right. And which one am I closer to? Is it good for me to be an
0: Evid? Is it good for me to, to be someone
1: who has it? Can I benefit yeah. from having a woman? Yes. And if you, wherever you fit, yes. that's where you
0: should pursue. It's like, yeah Right. 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 It could be a Yisrael will realize that if he has an Evid, that's good to your point. Maybe a given Yisrael will realize if I have an Evid, it's going to corrupt me. So don't do yeah. it. It's going to hurt you. Right? So that's, it could be the case. It could be a Yisrael who happens to have the personality of a Canaan, and if he studies the Torah, he'll realize that's not going to be good for him. Right? Yeah. So just, uh, I just want to mention this idea, so this uh, is also found, I think, from what I looked into it, is Aristotle and Plato also had an idea of uh, servants in Greek, and they seem to have a similar type of idea. Aristotle said he endorsed slavery, but he says only for someone who deserves to be a, a slave. Shouldn't be a master over someone who is just by convention happens to have been a, a slave, but over someone who deserves to be a, uh, a slave. And I think I have an interesting quote from Plato. He talks about it a little, a little bit. Uh, he spells out the idea, which I think in line with this idea. He says like this. It's uh, a few lines here. He says, um, "Here he says also when you say that it's better to leave unused what you don't know how to use. If someone doesn't know how to use his eyes or his ears or his whole body." it would be better for him not to use it at all, whether for seeing or hearing or anything else, rather than use it in some haphazard way. In fact, the same applies to skills. For someone who doesn't know how to use his own liar will hardly be able to use his neighbor's liar, nor will someone who doesn't know how to use the liar of others be capable of using his own liar, nor any other instrument in his possession whatsoever. Your speech delivers a wonderful coup de comes when it concludes someone who doesn't know how to use his soul is better off putting his soul to rest and not living at all, rather than leading a life which his actions are based on nothing but personal whim. If for some reason he must live, it would be better for such a, man, be better such a man to live as a slave than to be free, handing over the rudder of his mind, like that of a ship, to somebody else who knows that skill of steering men, which you, Socrates, often call politics. The very same skill, you say, as the judicial skill and justice. Okay, so he's, he's basically saying is that there comes a person. Some sometimes a person could exist in a way where he can't really, he doesn't know the skill of living, and he can't control himself. And for such a person, he'll be better off to live under the control of somebody who does know how to live. And in theory, we know how to live because we not because naturally, because we have Torah and Entire mitzvahs gives the Israel the capacity to live a life of being Avdi Hashem and to truly not let our Success, which we berakas Hashem to get to our heads. but a Kanani could partake of our world, our worldview, if he becomes an Eved Kanani, and that's the the, the idea of an Eved is to not to enslave him, but on the contrary, to assist him to enable him to to live a life of being an Eved Hashem via being an Eved of an Eved. Okay. Now that's one side of this, Okay, one side of this. Is from the vantage point of the avid. But I think there's the other vantage point of the Abdas, which is from the side of the Adam. Okay? Now, yeah. So the side of that, and that is for Qay Okay, which is not is also part of it, and that gets to a little bit what Howie was mentioning. Okay. That is, and this is the Chinuch brings this out, and this is the Rashi brings this out. So Rashi says it's um when it tells us that uh, this is in VaYikra, so it says you're not allowed to have, um, you know, you have to kill the shiramim. Uh, you enter to you have to um, destroy the shama. So then it says, right, so it basically says the other nations you could um, purchase a slave. So it says, who could I use? to be to serve me byvada any in my servants i'm not allowed to rule over them cuz in every is very strict the requirements i can't just take uh, service slaves from uh, them i can't make them do a certain type of labor Be'umos eni any and in the, the other nations i can also can't because i'm not allowed to keep the canaanim alive who should serve me right and torah says Avekani from the other nations, not from the Shavaman, but from other nations. That's how you get an Abed-Gunani. So it's a funny attitude. Who's going to serve me? What kind of? It sounds like a funny type of a client. But I think the point is, is especially in in the back in the day, but you know, still nowadays, is there's the, the idea of Ka Yisrael. Ka Yisrael are designed to be like a mamlacha sakan Kadosh. We're designed to be a nation which is involved in uh, Torah mitzvahs and living a life of Torah mitzvahs, and being a, a light to other nations, and teaching other nations, people about Torah mitzvahs. And to do so, it's very difficult to really grow in Torah mitzvahs if you have to work very, very long hours. You have to work with great difficulty. For L'mashal, within Kal Yisrael itself, we yeah. have Kohanim. Mm-hmm. Kohanim are designed, Yoram and they're designed to be the teachers to Kal Yisrael. So what's their job? The job of Kohanim is for two weeks of the year to work in the of Mekdash and the rest of the time to learn Torah. right? And they're supported by Kai Yisrael. So why are they supported by Kai Yisrael? Because they have to thrive in their knowledge of Torah. And um, <coughs> and they, they they grow in Torah and Mitzvah through devoting their time and energies towards Torah. And they're supported by Am Yisrael. And Am Yisrael is better for it because... Now we have Kohanim who are able to teach us and to be models for us. right? And they're better off by it, because now they're able to devote more time and energy towards being able to grow into our mismas. So, in an analogous manner, just like the Kohanim do, are, have that role, we are a Mamlechus Kohanim. So we're a nation of Kohanim to the world. And for us, if Ka Yisrael, again, especially in the times where we were dependent on agriculture, if we were going to have to work in the fields all the time, it would be much. we'd be, have much difficulty in being able to grow in our Avodah Hashem, in our Torah Mitzvah. So the institution of Avodim really enables Ka Yisrael to have time and energy towards devoting towards higher matters, towards, uh, towards being involved in Avodah Hashem. So bemi yishamsheni means how am I supposed to grow in Torah and if I have to work in the field all day long? Where am I going to have time and energy to be able to uh, learn Torah and to devote to grow in Torah? You need a lot of time and energy. So how am I going to be able to do that? So that's what it's saying is you have avodah, and that, that's why I think the Sefer Chinuch says that's why if you have an avodah, you're not supposed to you're not, it's, you're not allowed to free him. You're not allowed to free him because on the contrary, that takes away. Uh, Ka Yisrael's ability to be involved and in, to be productive, to have a strong uh, economic support. Avdus helps you be uh, financially uh, stable so that you're able to, Yisrael is able to devote time and energy towards uh, Vodas Hashem. So that's what, that the institution of Avdus, while I was previously talking about it, is good for the Avid it helps him grow and be an Ebed Hashem. At the same time, of course, it's good for Ka as well. And that's why you're not, you can't free an Ebed. And the Sefer Chinuch says, the reason why you can't free him is because Avdus is there to help prop up and help the system of Torah mitzvos grow. And he brings a Zorayah, therefore, if you're allowed to free an Ebed, it's a Shosham Mitzvah. Any Mitzvah, you're allowed to free him for. Why? He says, because the whole idea of why you can't free an Ebed is because Ebed is there to help grow the system of Torah Mitzvah. So if you're freeing him for the sake of a Mitzvah, even a Mitzvah Darabonah, he says, you can do it. He says, how come it's the and push pushed aside of the right? He says, because the whole Iser doesn't apply to three him for a mitzvah. Because the whole Iser is because the system the Torah mitzvahs. So the, the role of, the, the idea of Ka'i having a working class who is, is, is mutual, and that's what you're saying, it's a symb- symbiotic relationship. <coughs> we benefited from Eliezer finding uh, Rivka, and Eliezer benefited from uh, being there Neved Avram. And in theory, the model of Avdas and, and the Torah is a model which is both beneficial to Kalei Yisrael having of them to support our economy, but at the same time, it has to be modeled in a way which is beneficial for Canaan as well. So that, that's what, that's just to put it together. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Specifically, called Avad Kanani is underscoring the concept of what Avdas is. It's not to be looked at as merely, certainly not the way the world looks at it, just as being beating down about them for your own um, personal economic gain, not even just to be a compromise is allowing that institution, but making it more moral and ethical. But on the contrary, by calling it Kanani, it underscores that there is a positive value in Avdus, which is under the model of Kanan, which allows. The Eved to thrive in his a- 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 Avodas Hashem and allows us to be able to build a nation uh, of Amishal as well. Okay. Yeah. There's one other thing with the uh, with the Torah that even like the Torah was built for you know for eternity and for thousands of years and Avodas wasn't maybe necessary <coughs> back then, but like the Torah structured in a flexible way. Yes. Where like when the world did change and now like, you economically don't need this like. Yes. You can have the torah so You don't have abdus anymore. Right. The torah let it go yes. away. Yes, it's true. Right. It's a good point. I mean, nowadays there's nothing to say that we're going to have it. And you Mashiach, for instance, there's no chiyah of abdus. Then we have to bring it back. In the world which is not so dependent mm-hmm. upon the agricultural economy, and the world nowadays doesn't need abdus, does, doesn't we don't have to bring it back. Right. Right. It's a good question. Would there be, in terms of this idea of Kanaan, though, is there a value for it in, in certain places? Yeah, the different. You know. Right. But yeah, it certainly isn't something that we need. Uh, the society had it, and it's built a built a Torah around that. At the same time, it's not an obligation to get about them. Right. Torah flexible enough yes. that you don't have to have it. Yeah, right. It's, it's not, not it's not forcing element. everyone, forcing people to have about them. Yes.
1: A lot of it, if he goes free, if he runs to Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. true. Yeah. That's why, for example, all those things is that if he wants to go to Eretz Yisrael, <laughs> he's saying, "Listen, I like being with you, but at the same time, I want to grow more. I want to go to Eretz Yisrael." Well, then you have to let him go because the whole the whole institution is for the sake of his growth. If he's saying, I want to be in Eretz Yisrael," so you force him to free him or sell him to someone Eretz Yisrael, he has a right. Because the institution is built around his growth, and you can't sell him to Chutzlaretz. He doesn't want to. go, You can't just sell him. You're gonna or bring him. You can't even bring him to Because, on the contrary, he's there for his growth. And if he runs away to Eretz Yisrael, then he's rising up, and he wants to go live in Eretz Yisrael. Then we have to uh, accommodate that. So you get to pay him, but. It's interesting I that He his growth over the better. Yes. Of the land, really it's not really there, yes. But the yes. It's true. It's interesting. it's interesting. It's interesting. Yes. It is interesting. Yeah, which is good. Is the point is I'm happy you mentioned that because the point is that gets back to the first point is if you study the halachos, the halachos are in line with our idea of avodas. they not. They're, they're don't, they don't stem with the the, non, the non-Torah idea of avodas. On the contrary, they point and they're modeled or built around the uh, the, the Torah's idea of avas. And That's why I think you can't sell him guy that's why we don't have avdus of a guy of a guy. A guy of a guy says, if you sell him to a guy, it's just like for his, uh, his maizeyada. It's not real avdus. Because the real idea of avdus is only under Yisrael. Because a uh, guy owning another, so you sell him to a guy, you have to redeem him. And to have ten times his value, and then to free him. Because selling him to a guy, sorry? Right. Yeah, selling him to a guy is on the contrary, it's going to harm him. That's not going to be good for him Because he's, the guy is in the model of how to live. He's not going to learn anything from the guy. He's not having a It's supposed to just thumb. Owning another person. So, on the contrary, you're not allowed to do that. Then, you can use it as a way of enriching yourself because you sell it to a guy. That's not our idea of Abbas And there is that's not an avakinani. If a guy owns another guy, it's not avakinani. It's just a dinamominus idea of uh, for his maiseyadev. It's like a contract, uh, a monetary contract. It's not of his work. It's not ownership of the person. The ownership of the person only is in this context. Yeah, you're gonna say.
1: I, I was, I don't know if to take on the Jewish uh, yes yes so selling him to yes we'll take him away from that that. yes definitely yes correct do you think that concept of him having to take on the Jewish laws is from a place of not having someone in your house who is is from quote unquote the outside or from
0: places it's a good question
1: him taking on quote unquote the truth or, or yeah
0: that's a good question arguably both you don't want him to be a stumbling block in your house. And it's for him. It's an institution for him. It, to pursue that more fully, there is a halacha that if when you buy him, you, he has a condition There's a condition stipulated that I'm not going to accept Torah. I think it's a machlokas, but I think we hold that you could do it. So, that's interesting. Well, even if it's a stumbling block, either way, it's, it's hard to understand. But it does seem to be the exception, more than the rule. Just monetarily, if you make those the terms, then so be it. I'm not sure how that works. Maybe it's just a monetary out this, not a real out this. Right. But I think of both are true. It's not good for you to have someone else, but I'm saying it's also, certainly also for his benefit. Because that's part of the whole institutional out of this, is to teach him a better way of life and to give him this, plenty to show him how to live. Yeah? I guess you could also say, that, like,
1: that the idea of, like, of forcing people to become beggars is like, not within our means or capability, but right. it's also good for if someone who's not, non-Jew wants to become and take on the trust right. and that's that's right. great and it's great for the world if right. more you know, people are taking it on right. this is like almost a vehicle in which like these are people who are already enslaved yes, and we can use that as a means of like Right. So it's being spreading uh, and creating more of a world. Right? Right. That's true. right. I
0: mean, you're already a slave. You're not being a right. slave. Now, what we're just forcing you to do is to our mitzvahs as opposed to doing whatever else. We're going to go and kidnap
1: people and force them yes. to come. But right. they're already yes. slaves. Right. It's already now. That's
0: true. Use that as a. Um, mm-hmm. Right. We do. Yes. It's yeah, important. good point.
1: Yeah. So what do you think that? Like, why wasn't um, the show mitzvahs enough for this? Set? I mean, I think that, you know, you could have a good life. You could,
0: you know, you could walk, I mean, man, it's easier for them. Why do you have to go to the to become, you know, well, I guess we're Canaan. Did Kanan already have the Shavimitzvah? Ham? Was it after? I think it was after. I, or I certainly had to <laughs> but I had to look at the timing. But I mean, it just doesn't necessarily work. I mean, missiles are a minimal system, which could work for some people. But there's people like Canaan who are full of themselves and they take any opportunity to distort... Their place in the world, and to raise themselves up, and feel like they're, uh, you know, they're great, uh, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: the fact that if you own an Evergreen, I believe the um, home is that like, his offspring also become the property. In yes. Is that part of like the? Is that simply just a matter of the system of like how it must work? If this is right. the property purely systematic, or is there a good in the fact that, because it is so much strange how here his son's already going now he, his father's Jewish, um, right. his son's going to be Jewish, and you don't know if necessarily, yeah. he may be a good person, that son, so why would right. he necessarily fall into? I the, think
0: that's, you know, the model of, again, I'm saying it's like the model of, this is a concept behind the Avdas, but again, not every, it's, Avdas is an institution of Avdas, of ownership, of, you know, of a servant, and as such his son could partake of it in the same way you know but it's like yeah, you can't have the system to have he goes free and, right so more, but more similar, more like yeah but I mean arguably look if this is who he is then arguably his son will, in theory will be like him but I mean like, maybe his son could be different and won't deserve it right. but yeah yeah John. just a
1: shot so in, in when it says right? so what did he know? According the Ramban,
0: the oh, so Ramban says he knew that he was embarrassed. He knows that it became like a call out in the world, or I don't know who the world was, but I mean, to his brother, talking about it, became okay, so so known he, that he there was a busha.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: so you that's heard. what Ramban says. Yeah, this okay. You know, I don't know exactly how big the Ramban was, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. What?